Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. Envy is, uh, is not just wanting what other people have, right? And, and we can have that. We can covet. We can have a strong desire for the things that other people have. But envy is more than that. Envy is when you um, now feel a resentment toward that person. It's like, he's got something I want, and uh, I now don't really like that he has it. satisfied with your life? Do you feel content? Or do you sometimes feel like you're missing out on the good stuff? Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares helps us understand why an invisible but powerful sin may be at the root of our discontentment and our broken relationships. I'm Dave Drury, and we're in the middle of a series called Envy, and today we're going to take a closer look at the relational damage caused by unchecked envy in our lives. Now here's Pastor Mike. ever been to my house, you might notice I've got some trees that are between my neighbors and my driveway. And they look nice, but there are these, uh, these secret things underground that I've learned about called roots that all these trees seem to have. And these roots are causing me some serious problems. It's messing up my driveway, making the wall between my neighbor's house and mine fall over. It has torn up drains and pipes, and uh, it's been a mess. And the thing I've learned about these, these things called roots is they don't respect the property line between my, my property and my neighbors. Um, I've already paid a large amount of money to take care of his driveway, which he had to replace because of, of my trees. I've got several estimates about various things in my inbox right now, and more that I probably need to acquire uh, just to fix the damage caused by these, uh, these roots. Even had someone out recently with a camera. They put a camera through the pipes to figure out kind of like where my roots are, are tearing up my pipes. That, that's kind of what this sermon series is, is really about. It's about getting underground. And, and I know that some sins, they blossom above ground, but there are sins that are underground. They are, they are primary foundational vices and the light needs to be attached to the camera, and the light of God's Word needs to get under the surface to see where the roots of the sin that we have been looking at uh, in this series here called Envy, trying to figure out what's going on and what kind of damage is it causing. And uh, much like the roots to my trees, you'll find out that they, they don't care about the uh, property line. They will inevitably spill over into all of your closest relationships. And as one economist said, that's the thing about envy. It is a local sin. It really is. And he's writing about, uh, some American economist, about the fact that you, you can hear the resentment and, and you can see the resentment in the words of people looking at billionaires and venture capitalists and, and you know, uh, all the people that are making loads of money in this world. But, but envy is, is a local thing, right? It's, it's about the guy down the hall that's uh, got a bigger raise than you. It's about your uh, brother-in-law that makes 20% more than you do. And sometimes it's like the advertisers, right? We're used to the advertisers enlisting to sell the wares of their clients, the, 
you know, the men that are, that are, that are rich and, and they are, you know, they're, they're ripped and they're, they're successful and the women that are, are beautiful and charming and confident, they, they we're used to seeing that and we, we pass by and we might be invoked in our hearts to feel some greed about the watches that they're selling or the handbags or whatever, but it's when those kinds of people, the, the, the rich and the ripped and the successful and the beautiful and the charming and the confident, uh, when those, those people are in my small group, right? when those are the people that surround me in the office and, and I look in the mirror or I think about my, my aptitudes or intelligence or whatever I have and I, I have this underlying envy and, and much like roots of a tree, there's no way that those aren't going to erupt. They're, they're going to cause trouble. And the things you don't think can be moved in your life, the virtues that you think are paragon, they're, they're, they're solid, they're going to be knocked over by this thing unless we, unless we chop it down, unless we go and, and work hard at it. Now, the, 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 the heart of this series, it's only four parts, and this is part two if you're new, uh, we'll get into a lot of the counterattack, but much like that camera that has been sent out to my home to figure out just how bad the damage is, we need to really assess the, the breadth of the damage. And, and we need to start looking at, at the relational damage that is caused by envy that you may not even have connected the dots to. And that's why today I want to start in Mark chapter 7 and try and have us do a little bit more assessment here. We've tried to define what it is. Now think through with me again what envy is. Envy is uh, it's not just wanting what other people have, right? And, and we can have that. We can covet. We can have a strong desire for the things that other people have. You know, you guys can say, I wish I looked like her, or guys, I wish I had, you know, the, the abilities that he has, or I wish, you know, I had the money or the resources or the relationships they have. You can have that, that, that coveting of your neighbor and his, his wife and his, his, his oxen and his fields and all that. But envy is more than that. Envy is when you um, now feel a resentment toward that person. It's like, he's got something I want, and uh, I now don't really like that he has it, right? I, I, don't, I don't care for the fact that he has it. I'm thinking differently about this person that has it. I can't act normal, like you don't have stuff that I want. And we see that all throughout the Bible. I was flying on a flight recently, and uh, <laughs> this guy... You know, a lot of us uh, like the aisle seats, right? You can cross our legs, whatever. And you got to be careful not to get hit by the cart as it comes down the aisle with your knee. But he got his seat. I got my seat. And we were sitting across from each other. And, and in comes these two, like, five- and six-year-old kids with a mom. Well, the kids get plopped next to him, the window in the middle seat. And the mom's like two seats forward, and she's all just, la, 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 and, and, and it's okay, and they're gonna be here. And so he does what I think any gentleman would do, what I would have done. So, well, I will just switch seats with you, and, and you can come sit by your children. And then she says, Well, I'm in the middle seat. And he goes, Oh, never mind. <laughs> I don't wanna sit in the middle seat. And, and I get that. Um, I, I think I would have, I hope I would have given up my middle seat. But I thought, But now you're, you're stuck with these two kids, right? And, and, and picture the angst, you know, he was, I think, maybe regretting his decision halfway through the flight. You know, you got the two kids there, and, and you picture them like the way kids are. And one wants the, the, the window, and then the other one wants the window. And then it's like, no, I want the window, and I want the window. And they're fighting over the window seat. And then finally, mom might, you know, come back, as she did a few times, and kind of straighten it out and say, okay, no, 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 you, Sally or whatever, you get the window seat. And so they you get in that seat and it's not just like you're upset as you sit in the middle seat as a little kid looking at your sibling. It's not you're just like, well, okay, I, I wish I had the seat. It's like all of a sudden now Johnny punches Sally, right? It's like, okay, well, 
why did you do that, right? Well, it's because I don't like that you have it. Now I have some angst toward you. I have a, uh, here was how we defined it last week, a resentment toward you. And that resentment is going to, going to spill out in one way or another. I know you're really subtle and careful and very diplomatic about how we express our sins, but uh, this is one I guarantee you, if you start connecting dots in scripture, you'll see it everywhere. So we're gonna try and look at the damage that envy can cause. And I wanna start by looking at Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 23. Now look at the context here of this, because the first relationship it messes up is our relationship with God and, and the relationship we have with ourselves. And, and, and I want you to note this and see this. Uh, the great thing about the Christian life is when you have a new relationship with God, to quote the Old Testament promise of Ezekiel, you are going to have your heart of stone replaced with a heart of, of flesh. Right? You're gonna have a heart that's made new, a clean heart. You get washed with water. These symbols are pictures of the cleansing of sin, the guilt of my sin, Right? Even uh, the bondage to my sin, it, it's broken. New relationship with God, and there's a new relationship with myself. Uh, but it doesn't mean, and we know this, it doesn't mean, as James said, right? we all sin in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. We're going to have, even Hebrews 12, sins that so easily entangle us, right? besetting sins. And so we've got to watch out for those, and that's why the church has always talked about the seven deadly sins. There are foundational fountainheads of sin, sins that are going to erupt, and, and one of them is is envy, and he makes a list here of, of a lot of sins, and they're concerned about the defilement, which is an interesting word, by the way, defilement. And they're saying, well, this defiles your followers. They're not washing their hands. Defilement, think about that word. To defile something, right? Ceremonially in the Old Testament, there were things that would make you defiled in the Levitical law. Uh, that was obviously an analogy of the reality of how sin defiles us before God and our relationship with God, right? I'm guilty before God. And if you didn't do the right things the right way in the political law, then you were ceremonially unclean, right? You were, you were defiled. Um, well, the real defilement that we should be concerned with isn't some of the human traditions that have been set in place by the time of Christ to like wash your hands in a ceremonial way before you ate. And Jesus says, listen, you're concerned about that. Those things don't defile you. They're not external things like, uh, you know, unwashed hands that are gonna defile you as you eat, you know, your, your fish for lunch. What's going to defile you are, are what's going on in your heart, what you allow to go on in your heart. And, and pick it up there in verse 21. For from within, and you can see the, the last two words, by the way, verse 20, defiles him. We're talking about things that defile him. And, and they're inside. For out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Look at these now. Coveting wickedness, deceit, sensuality. Here's the next one, the, the topic of our little series, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and they contaminate, they sully, they dirty, they defile, they mess up the heart that is supposed to be before God, holy and pure and right and righteous and good. So we are trying to fight sin. We are called to, to battle it, Colossians 3, 5, to put to death in our lives whatever is, is fleshly, whatever remains as a earthly, sinful part of our old life. And we're fighting our old life. That's called sanctification. It's aggressive. It's an aggressive battle with the passions that wage war against my soul. We dealt with that last week foundationally. And I need to realize that when there are things that exist there, 
that are defiling, they're contaminating that. And, and it makes it, it, it troubles it. It's like, speaking of trouble, that's a good word. In John 14, Jesus, it's a different context, but he tells them, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let the interior of your life be troubled. You know, believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms, many places, right? If, if it weren't so, I would have told you, you know the passage. But I'm going to go prepare a place, going to be with you. So he's talking about his relationship with them. Where you are, I'm going to be. I'm, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. The whole point of the upper room discourse, talk about lessons from the upper room that we're going to deal with this summer. That is, um, is, is about God saying, I'm going to be with you. And when I'm with you, the Holy Spirit indwells within you. We got things that are defiling you. We need to get those things out. They defile. They mess you up. And if you think about what's it like to be right with God and walking with God and in harmony with God and to extract and, and cleanse and get out of my life, confess out of my life all the defilement, well, that, that leaves you in a good place. That leaves you with a clear conscience. That leaves you with you and God being copacetic and peaceful and harmonious and you have a sense of walking in this world while the attacks are coming towards you, but you've got your armor on, right? And you're fighting the schemes of the devil and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in a good place with God. But when there's roots growing in your heart of anything on that list, including envy, well, then there's a defilement there. The word to kind of describe the life, and I know it has a lot of implications, that's, that's in sync with God, walking with God, right, impervious to, uh, to whatever might, uh, might disrupt that. We call that word contentment. We talk about that in Scripture, contented. I'm okay. I can be okay with God. I have peace with God. So... What I want to remind you of this morning is that the defiling work of envy is always going to disrupt that. It will displace that. Or how about a stronger word? Number one, if you're taking notes, it crushes that. Number one, you need to know that envy crushes contentment. And when we assess the damage that it causes, including that I'm going to be discontent if I don't get this out. Not only do I have a problem now relating to God, like Adam, I want to hide in the shadows when God or God's word or God's people come in my presence. I, I'm struggling now. There's a defiling contradiction within my heart. And, and it makes me feel not right. Well, it makes me feel not right on a couple levels because you're harboring sin. But worse than that, the whole point of envy is to make you discontent. Make you discontent with what you don't have. That's the coveting element of it. It makes me now look at people differently and that's what envy does. It's like jealousy, an unjust jealousy. It's like, I, I, I don't like that you have it. I don't want you to have it. And now there's animosity, even as it says in our passage. Things that follow envy are things like slander. I, I, and I now have issues. I'm, I'm now making damage in my relationships. You know that envy crushes contentment. And, and I would like my heart to be contented. I don't want it contaminated, soiled. I don't want it disrupted. Can I turn you to James 3? There'll be several passages I'd like us to look at together. There, there is a picture of this peaceful, harmonious, copacetic kind of heart. It's described in James 3.13 as being a, a person that is characterized with words like wise and understanding. Take a look at this text. James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, right? There's a, a righteous man walking righteously. Let him show his works, right? That's the expression of his life. That's the tree in the, here it is, the meekness, right? the humility of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, now I said sometimes jealousy is used in a rightful sense that God is jealous, Exodus 34, 14. You have a lot of examples of jealousy being appropriate in the right setting. Then you have the unjust 
and inappropriate jealousy. And that's a, a synonymous, really, with envy. It's that disruption. I said last week, jealousy is a word, right, in, in the Greek New Testament is the word transliterated, zeal. It's something that just, it's bubbling up, it's moving, it's active, it's doing something in my heart. It doesn't let me be at peace. And look at the word here that describes it, the word bitter. Do you see that descriptive, that adjective? Picros in the Greek text, it's bitter. It's, it tastes like something that you want it to be sweet and it's like someone poured a half of container of salt into it. It's gross. It's, you want to spit it out. Uh, that picros, the, the, the bitter, salty, gross-tasting jealousy, right? the envy. And here's what that is all about. It's about selfish ambition in your hearts. If you have that, if that's what's going on, if that's what's motivating whatever it might be, as we saw Solomon saying, it may be motivating your excellent work at the office. It may be motivating how you function in church or kind of ministries you take on or the time you put into something or whatever. You might be driving hard, but really what's pushing that is a bitter jealousy and a selfish ambition, which by the way, and I don't know how to rightly try and ground this topic out in, in, in the manner of sermons that I've given to this, which is only four. But I am not trying to say that there's not a godly ambition. You know that, right? A godly ambition. There's a godly ambition. In other words, the man who aspires to quote 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, to the office of, a, of an elder, right? Of a pastor, of an overseer. Right? He, he desires a noble thing. And the word there, by the way, is the word epithumia. Epithumia is the word we translate elsewhere into lust. You can have a strong desire to do something that's just so that you can spend it on your pleasures, Right? Or you can have a strong desire to do something noble and good and right. And there are a lot of people rightly motivated to desire ambitiously things that are godly and good for God's glory and God's honor and the good of other people. They're like Christ who came to serve us. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom. There's no envy driving any of that. There's no jealousy, no bitterness there. And so there is a godly ambition. Paul tells Timothy as he's doing his ministry and, and exercising his gifts and discharging his duty. Think about what he said. He said, let your progress be evident to everyone, right? I mean, keep on moving forward. Let everyone see that you're getting better and better at this. Why? So he can do this? Selfish ambition? It's not about that, right? It's about him being the steward of the gifts that God has given. As Paul says, I've worked harder than all the other apostles. Oh, it looks like you're a competitive, go-getting, selfish ambition person. You, I, I suppose that could be motivating it. What kind of roots are under this work of yours? What kind of motivation is there about you dressing for church? What kind of thing do you have about getting your kids ready for some party they're about to walk into? And, and you're telling them, why are you doing all of that? What's driving that? Could there be a proper motive? And can there be a sinful motive? Yes. Can you be rightly ambitious about fulfilling your stewardship? Yes. Uh, can you also be, be sinfully motivated? Solomon said, I've seen it. It's a grievous evil under the sun the work that people are doing out of envy for their neighbor. It's just, there's so much of this that when envy is driving it, you don't sit back at the end of the day and you think, Lord, I served you and I hope I served you well here. It's like, no, there's just this dying and, and, and dr driving corrosive kind of internal turmoil. Envy always brings that. If you have bitter jealousy or envy and selfish ambition, or don't boast and be false to the truth. Your ambition is not godly ambition. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is, as we started last week, it's demonic. Right? The angels that fell, they fell for the, the, the ambitious idea, as the early church liked to preach about, that, that idea of getting something that wasn't theirs, that wasn't supposed to be theirs, having an undue, unmitigated kind of desire for stuff 
for themselves. That envy, that covetousness, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, where there's envy and selfish ambition, right? There will be, here it comes, disorder and every vile practice. Now, the first part, I just want to talk, disorder. And the disorder starts in our hearts. Right? Everybody likes to be diagnosed today, it seems, right, with disorder. Everybody's got disorders. The disorders that we should ultimately be concerned about. The biggest disorder of all is, is there a disorder in my heart? And, and here's one thing you need, need to test for, envy. Right? Do, I envy? do I want what other people have? And do I not like the fact that they have it? Has, is there a growing resentment toward people that seem to be better than I am, smarter than I am, prettier than I am, more successful, more influential, have more opportunities, have more advantages, are poised to do more because of whatever they got on a silver platter that I don't happen to have. Am I bitter about it? Is there bitter jealousy in my heart? Well, they're going to be disordered. It's going to start in your heart and every vile, vile practice. The wisdom from above, it's different. And this is what we want. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial and it's sincere. We'll learn a lot more about that in our counterattack as we try to form that next time. And a harvest of righteousness is sown. Here's the word we want. What did Jesus say he came to leave us? Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm gonna give you peace. My peace I leave with you. I want peace. It's sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace, peace, peace versus disorder and bitter jealousy. I, I, I want that. The goal, by the way, is always for the godly to be content. Right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I, I want to be content with what I have. Paul, Philippians 4. I've learned the secret of contentment, whether I have a lot or a little. I'm content. Now, you got to believe that. When you see godly people and you know there's no underlying turmoil, the roots are not rotten. The roots are not seeping into the neighbor's property. They're, 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 they know their proper bounds. They're enriched properly and not destroying. And envy always will destroy. You need to know that envy crushes contentment. You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares and a message about envy and the relational damage it causes when it goes unchecked in our hearts. And if you've missed any of the previous messages in this series, you can easily go back and listen online at focalpointradio.org. And now before we wrap up, Pastor Mike has a very special invitation for you. Hi, Pastor Mike Fabar is here. In the summer of 2024, I'll be teaching the Bible on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. I want you to come with me. From August the 4th through August the 11th, 2024, we're going to discover the splendor of God's Word while we explore the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Join us for world-class dining, daily teaching, worship. It'll be an unforgettable experience. So don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska to learn more. Yeah, it's time to make your plans to join Pastor Mike in Alaska. Book your spot right away at focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. And while you're online, I invite you to discover how you can help keep this program going strong in your community. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you who share our desire to reach the whole world with the gospel and train believers to live out their faith. So please give generously today with a one-time financial gift or become a Focal Point partner by making your donation a monthly gift. To give, please call 888-320-5885. That's 888-320-5885. Or go online to focalpointradio.org. 
And to say thank you for your generous donation to Focal Point, we'll send you a copy of Pastor Mike's brand new book, Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. This is the book that Pastor Mike wrote while preparing this month's teaching series. Again, call 888-320-5885 or donate online at focalpointradio.org. Well, the word love is used to express many different sentiments. Some say they love football. Others say they love lasagna. Some even croon love songs to their dog or cat. Well, tomorrow we're going to ask Pastor Mike, what is biblical love? I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again Friday for more Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash pastormike or twitter.com slash pastormike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.